Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hi, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. And today I'm gonna be tackling a frequent caller question to Catholic Radio. Uh, A parent will call in and ask, what should I do about a teen or 20-year-old who isn't interested in the faith anymore? Or what should a parent do about a teen or 20-year-old with a seemingly dead faith life? Well, today's show is entitled CPR for Teens and 20-Year-Olds with a Seemingly Dead Faith Life. Now, when a lot of folks call in, the suggestions are maybe a book. And generally, when somebody is asking for a book, I'll say, are they a good reader? And folks who just generally read a lot, including teens and 20-year-olds, a book may be a good resource. But a teen or a 20-year-old who is experiencing that faith-challenging time, a book actually may not do it. In fact, there's a great likelihood that they will not read it. So somebody else will recommend, well, how about a CD? Well, first of all, young people don't listen to CDs anymore. They listen to MP3s, but even MP3s may or may not have the desired effect if their faith life has already reached a what seems to be a dead spot. Uh, Somebody might say, what about counseling? Mm, Maybe, maybe not. Should I switch schools or colleges? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, really the problem's inside, uh, not as much outside. How about a speech from you? Um, I don't know. I can just speak as a dad. Uh, When my children were grade school age, speeches did a little bit of good. When they got latter teens and 20s, eh, my speeches didn't get quite so far. So books, CDs, MP3s, counseling, switching schools, uh, speeches may not do it. So before you turn off the radio in great discouragement and say, oh, what do I do with a teen or 20-year-old with a seemingly dead faith life? Well, I have a hopeful recommendation for you today. And maybe you're a parent of a young child listening to me, or maybe you're a grandparent, still take this down today. You you really want to absorb this because there comes a time, sometimes with our own children, with our grandchildren, with maybe a friend's children, where, and this is happening in increasing numbers, where they just seem to wander away from the faith, where they seem to just have no interest in developing a faith life. Maybe they're away from the sacraments. They're not attending Mass. Uh, What can you do? Well, I think it's helpful to recognize at times that there are situations, particularly with teens and 20-year-olds, where our human remedies are often going to fall short. But remember, we're connected to the God who created the universe, who made our children, who loves our children more than we do. And sometimes if we look to him in a special way, he can do things much greater than maybe what we can expect him to do. I'm going to ask you 
just to turn with me if you're home and have a Bible somewhere around. If not, if you're driving or at work, that's okay too. But there's a very famous chapter of the Bible in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 37. In fact, the old spiritual dem bones, those dry bones. It's the vision of the dry bones that the prophet Elijah saw. And you need to be aware that sometimes when God wants to do something so extraordinary beyond what our human minds will say God is capable of doing, he might give us a vision to expand our faith in him. That's exactly what Ezekiel 37 is. That's what the entire book of Revelation is. So let's go to Ezekiel 37, and there's only really one thing you need to know to really mine what God wants you to know out of this chapter, and it's simply this. The Hebrew noun, ruach, can mean wind, it can mean breath, and it can mean spirit. It's the exact same word. So as I'm going to read Ezekiel 37, you'll hear me say wind, and that's the word ruach. You'll hear me talk about the Holy Spirit, and that's the same word, ruach. And then you'll hear the word breath, the same word, ruach. And you'll even hear a related verb to breathe. And that's basically related in Hebrew to the same word. The key to what's going on in this chapter, therefore, wind, spirit, and breath, they're all connected. And God is using things like wind and breath to give an image of what he can do through the Holy Spirit but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's go to Ezekiel's vision. Chapter 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Now, this is a vision of the people of God in the Old Testament, okay? In other words, they were dead talking about a dead faith, God is saying, no, their faith just wasn't dead. It was dead, dead. And there were very many bones in the valley, and they were very dry. In other words, they were in horrible shape. They had a dead, dead faith. And he said to me, to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Poor Ezekiel, (laughs) you got to be kidding. This can't happen. But he very wisely answered God, O Lord God, thou knowest. Smart man. He, He didn't deny God's power, but he probably was really wrestling with the ability to truly believe that God could work this miracle. So God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath, ruach, to enter you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And again, in Hebrew, to know, it refers to a very strong, intimate, and relational knowledge of God, not just some 
facts about God you might have gained from a book, those are great to have, but to truly be joined to God in covenant. So Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded, I prophesied and there was a noise. Behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, to the ruach, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. The key to spiritual life, the key to knowing God, the key to bringing the people of God who are dead and dry in their faith life and spiritual condition to bring them back to life is the Holy Spirit, the very breath of God. And so, as I prophesied, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet and an exceedingly great host. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. He could be saying to you, mom and dad today, this is your teen. This is your 20-year-old. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are clean, cut off. You see, there are times where God tests the faith, not only of young people, but of parents. It's beyond your ability to create change. It's not beyond God's. And the nation Israel at this point, just to kind of give you a brief recap, so to speak, the nation had been destroyed. Their buildings were destroyed. Their temple was destroyed. And the majority of the population were taken captive to a foreign nation. And here they are in this foreign nation. They're just hopeless, beyond hopeless. And their spiritual condition was just dry, and dead, and lifeless, and hopeless. And they said, our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. And God says, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Now, what God prophesies there is relevant for every day and every age. The Holy Spirit, the theme of the series we are doing here in Faith and Family Radio, the Holy Spirit can accomplish the impossible. The Holy Spirit can resurrect a dead and decaying faith. Now, one of the things that I think is very wise to do is recognize that very often there is a difference between first and second-generation Catholics. Uh, There's a difference between first and subsequent-generation Catholics. Now, it's not always the case, but let's just say I would imagine that most of you listening to Catholic radio are basically alive to your faith. I realize there's many seekers listening and maybe many of those who haven't even begun a faith life yet, and that's okay. But most of you, I would think there's a certain reality to your faith, that your faith isn't just religious information in your head, but it's something living within your heart. Now, in the epistle to the Romans, St. Paul basically describes the 
experience of the reality of God that the first Catholics, the first generation of Catholics, had basically encountered. It says in Romans 5, 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. And St. Paul was talking about an experiential reality, not just being told you have the Holy Spirit, but these people knew they have the Holy Spirit, because just a few chapters later in chapter 8, St. Paul says, we have received the spirit of sonship. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans 5. He says, we cry, Abba, Father, this spontaneous response to God giving the Holy Spirit in the heart, awakening to the heart to its real destiny, and that's union with God and experienced union with God. And the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, that's what happened to first-generation Catholics in the church in the city of Rome, Italy. Now, very, very, very interesting, a little later in the New Testament, we encounter a second-generation Catholic, and that's in Paul's epistle to Timothy, 2 Timothy and chapter 1. And St. Paul writes to Timothy in chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Now, Timothy had faith. He says, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. Now, we don't know, or at least I don't know exactly if Timothy was a second or third generation Catholic. We do know that both his mother and grandmother were believers. Now, I don't know if that happened the grandmother first, and then after that there was a second generation with his mom, or maybe the two of them converted together, and then Timothy would be the second generation. But regardless, he is one of the subsequent generations of believers, okay? And Paul identifies that, and he does have faith, but then this is what he says in the very next verse, very important verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Hence, I remind you, he's talking to Timothy, to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of hands. Now, again, we don't know exactly that laying on of hands. Was that Timothy's ordination? Was that Timothy's confirmation or both? But basically, he was a subsequent generation believer who had the blessing of having both a grandmother and a mother who were faithful Catholics, and yet St. Paul tells him to rekindle that gift of the Holy Spirit that is within him. Uh, the New International Version, I kind of like it, it says, fan into flame the gift of God. And uh, I've had the experience Sometimes actually a shocking experience. I was burning a number of very large logs from some fallen trees on my property, and I had it well placed away from everything else. And I had a burn for an entire day, this huge pile of logs. And I was convinced that the fire was entirely out. And 24 hours later, after I was convinced the fire was out, 
this very strong wind came along on my property, and lo and behold, this fire that I had been convinced that was extinguished for at least 24 hours came back to flame. And this is what St. Paul is saying, that a second or third generation Catholic has faith, uh, has the gift of the Holy Spirit, but Paul exhorted to fan into flame, just like if you were a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout, you know that after you get the pine needles or twigs burning to try to start a campfire, you blow on it a little bit so that the just the little bit of fire will then fan into a larger flame and bring the needed warmth and vitality that a fire can bring. And St. Paul is saying the same thing to Timothy. Even more, just to get a little technical here for a second, uh, that fan into flame is a present tense infinitive, which might be better translated, keep fanning the flame. In other words, if you're a second or third generation Catholic, don't just do this once, but this is something to be lifelong. Just like I had mentioned on an earlier broadcast regarding the Holy Spirit from Ephesians chapter 5, where St. Paul literally says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. This isn't like something we do once and forget about. No, if this is central to a living faith, this is central to knowing God in an intimate relational way, well, this isn't something you want to just let die out. And some some people, particularly young people, can think, okay, I've gotten this great inheritance from their parents, but they don't really maybe appreciate it as much. And so they're not really taking the concern to fan into flame the fires of those Holy Spirits, which can warm the heart. You see, uh, a speech from you or a seminar from me or a book from a great author or an MP3 broadcast from someone, all those are external influences. But God is capable of changing a person from the inside out. And that's the key to living. It's not just a conformity to certain external behavior norms. It's to have this living faith inside that the Holy Spirit would have. And Timothy had a genuine faith, and Paul urged him to set it ablaze and to keep it ablaze. And I would say to everyone listening to me right now, the same exhortation goes to all of us. Keep fanning the flame of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Now, I'm going to share some things specifically the practical how-tos, first of all, what not to do and what to do to try to activate the Holy Spirit in your own life and the life particularly of your children who seem to have a dead faith. And remember, remember my fire that I thought was completely gone and extinguished for at least 24 hours and it came back to flame by simply blowing on it? <laughs> if you've baptized your children and you've catechized them, you've exposed them to Mass and the sacraments, there's something there. God can use that, okay? Just be aware of that. All right, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. But first of all, what not to do. And this is kind of important because a lot of good folks who have a great emphasis in the role of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life make a big mistake. What not to do, number one, don't seek something you already have. Um, and again, I write as a, a friend of the Pentecostals and Charismatics, 
but very often they will counsel people to seek the Holy Spirit as if he is some foreign person out there in some distant orbit. If you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and especially if you've been confirmed, it's not like out there. Paul said to Timothy, you know, your grandmother, your your mother has faith, and now I'm convinced it's in you. And he didn't say go out and get the Holy Spirit, but fan into flame what's already been given to you. Um, There's a great commentary uh, series, actually. I'd recommend the Baker Academic Catholic Commentary. It sounds a big name, but it's a great commentary. And on the commentary in First and Second Timothy and Titus, I read this. St. Augustine developed the notion of the actualization or awakening of an earlier grace received. Let me say that again. St. Augustine developed the notion of the actualization or awakening of an earlier grace received. So it's a mistake. You could be going out looking, God, where's the Holy Spirit, when he may have given it to your child or you 20 years ago, you see. So don't seek something you already have. In fact, the author of that commentary says it reminds him, the Holy Spirit, of an instance of a woman he knew who uh, didn't know that the car her husband had bought for her had a special police overtake gear so it could go real fast in the pursuit of the bad guys. And one day she was being harassed at night on an isolated highway, and she floored the accelerator, and within seconds she was out of sight of the bad guys. In other words, she had no idea what what her car was capable of. It was fanned into flame, so to speak. There was a resource there that she didn't realize, and that resource is planted at baptism. It's increased at confirmation, but as St. Augustine said, sometimes it needs to be actualized or awakened, okay? Number two, and these are things not to do, is avoid what I call Holy Spirit hype. And I've seen a lot of this. It can stir up a strong emotional response, but the downside, it only works for a little while. Hype is human. Holy Spirit is divine. And there's a huge difference between the two. It is fully possible, especially with young people, to get them all hyped up on some spiritual retreat. But it's like the parable of the sower where the seed is sown in shallow, rocky ground. And then when it gets hot, when there's persecution, when there's trials, when there's disappointments or stress, it says that good seed then withers and dies. And you don't want to direct people to a superficial kind of hyped up emotional response. The Holy Spirit is much deeper than that. It goes to the very center of the person. Okay, just so you know, you're listening to Faith and Family Radio. I'm your host, Steve Wood, and here's a few things to do. Focus on the Holy Spirit. Remember at the beginning of this radio show, the, the caller's looking for a book or a school or an MP3 or a CD or a certain something they can say, you know, really the resource available to parents with teens or 20-year-olds with a seemingly dead faith is the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit can awaken those who are asleep or alienated from the church. And remember, the new evangelization, which uh, has been getting a lot of attention, which basically what's the new aspect of that is evangelizing those right within the church or who grew up in the church and are apart from her. Well, if you want a key to evangelization, it's very easy. Just read the book of Acts. And in case you don't even feel like reading the book of Acts, I'll tell you the key to the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. He is the key to evangelization. He is the key to the new evangelization. The key to the new evangelization is a new Pentecost. The key to your child who is dead in need of the new evangelization is a new Pentecost. Number two, pray specific prayers for a Holy Spirit awakening. This is where you want to direct your prayers, not just that your kids will be good or they'll quit doing this or quit doing that, but they'll really come to know God and asking God the Father in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, to graciously bestow the spirit of sonship, to graciously bestow that Holy Spirit so that your child will know that he or she is a child of God. And how do you get the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. Now, your children might not be seeking and ask us and knocking, but you can ask for them. And then number three, and this is just kind of a um, put-it-out-there thought, but I think it would be really valuable to have some type of special retreat for those in their older teen years and 20s to go without their technology and smartphones and all that type of thing, and without basically manipulation, but to have a time perhaps up in the mountains where we would seek together a deep renewal in the Holy Spirit. And maybe those could come who don't sense a thing in their faith, but really need to fan into flame that awakening. And I just put this out there. I'm not particularly aware of things like this. Uh, there are some with a very high emotional uh, dynamic to it, and I'm very hesitant to recommend that. Basically, you want something um, deeper and less hype and which leaves you entirely vulnerable because if God doesn't show up, nothing happens. But if God does show up, everything changes from the inside out. And young people live in the power of God. They know God, they're renewed by God and come to know him in a very personal way. So these are some thoughts. Encourage you, if you're discouraged, to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37 and see a picture, a prophetic picture, of what the Holy Spirit can do in the hearts and minds of the people of God who seem dead, dry, and lifeless. Until next time, this is Steve Wood with Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.